Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Tactical Sciences Coordination Network podcast. Uh, my name is Marty Draper. I am the uh, uh, Associate Dean for Research at Kansas State University and one of the leads on the Tactical Sciences Network project. This is an exciting project where we're bringing together various programs that address tactical issues in agricultural biosecurity. Uh, it might include pest management, might include plant or animal diseases, and, and all the ways that we manage these uh, issues through various tactics. And, and our group today, EDEN, the Extension Disaster Education Network, is really one of the communication keys to us being able to be successful and being prepared for not only biological, uh, potential biological concerns, but also natural disasters. And so I'm delighted today to have with me uh, Abby Lopop, Carrie McKillop, and, and uh, Cheryl Scolas from Eden. And I'll just allow each of you to introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about where you're at and, and uh, what your role is in Eden. Uh, let's start with Cheryl. Thank you, Marty. I'm Cheryl Scullis. I'm at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and my role with Eden is that I am the past Eden National Chair. The past chair. You were the chair when we started the project, and appreciate you joining us now. Yep. So, thank you. And uh, Carrie? Yes, I am um, Carrie McKillop. I'm with the University of Illinois Extension. I'm a community development agent or a educator in West Central Illinois. And I currently serve as national chair of Eden. It's interesting. You mentioned you're an educator. You started to say agent. And when you work in extension, you never know what the title is going to be in a very, in one of the states. I worked in states with extension where we've been both educators or agents, depending upon the time period we were at. So it's great to have you with us, Carrie. The Thank ultimate, you. Uh, Ultimate uh, point is that you work in the in with your boots in, on the ground and with the folks that are actually uh, uh, making things happen in, across the state and in the, in the counties. So yes. it's great to have you with us, uh, Abby. Hi, I'm Abby Lilpop. I'm the National Eden Project Coordinator. Um, I work for Purdue Extension um, at Purdue University in Indiana, um, and I am the one that helps oversee. Um, our program throughout all of our land grant and sea grant systems and coordinate with all of our delegates. That's my, my primary role. Coordination is critical when you've got a lot of moving parts and uh, Eden seems to have that. So um, I'm curious if somebody could give me a little bit of a background on Eden. Um, what is it? Where did it come from? How long have we had an Eden out there? So Eden um, actually is celebrating, I think we're in year 26, possibly 27 at this point. Um, we, we've really formed following the floods of 1993 along the Mississippi River. Um, it started as an impromptu somewhat uh, task force originally. Um, all of the states that were impacted kind of pulled together to pool resources of what could be used in those times. And then as an after action report, we kind of expanded to include those states that were adjacent to the states affected by the Mississippi flooding um, that helped provide resources and send materials inward. And from there, we've just expanded to include um, all 1862 programs, 
1890 land grant programs, and we're working to include all of our sea grant programs as well. So right now um, we have a little over 70 institutions that are members, and we have nearly 400 delegates, which are the individuals that kind of help us do the work in programming um, and get our message outward. So um, we're a pretty strong entity, but and we've been around a lot longer than I feel like some of us care to admit because it's showing our age at this point. Well, I have to admit, 93 is longer ago than I realized uh, Eden had been had been formed. I knew there were some some activities going on. I didn't realize that they had become identified as Eden that early. And maybe it was just my lack of awareness at the time as a an extension specialist at that time. But uh, certainly there were a, a, a large number of natural disasters that occurred around that time with between drought and flooding and tornadoes and a um, number of issues that occurred in the, in the late 90s that we were trying to, to work our way through. Now, I'm intrigued. You mentioned the you're working to include the Sea Grant uh, institutions. How many Sea Grant um, universities are there? Um, now, those are all coastal. They all have to have a, 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 a shoreline with, the, with an ocean. Um, how many do we have? Um, so there are actually 33 Sea Grant programs. We currently have about 17 represented in the membership of Eden. Um, and to qualify as Sea Grant, it does not have to be just oceanic shoreline. So the Great Lakes do qualify. Um, so Wisconsin, actually all three of our institutions are represented in Sea Grant. Indiana, Illinois share a Sea Grant program because of our, uh, shoreline along Lake Michigan, as well as Wisconsin has one as well. So um, many of those institutions are associated with the land grant extension system um, and where they share those universities, but there are also many that do not. Um, an example is um, in the state of Washington, where we have Washington State as their land grant institution, University of Washington is their Sea Grant. Um, but so they all still have the same extension component, the outreach piece, but they do look um, a lot more in terms uh, or take a harder look at resiliency along coastal issues, um, aquary sciences, those kinds of things. So it's a great resource for us to have as well. So and I think that's that's not a USDA federal partner. That's a, is that a NOAA federal partner? Yes. So um, they they actually come through the um, Department of Commerce through then the uh, through NOAA. So yeah, that's who oversees their programming. And that's the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency. Is that right? I believe so. It's close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, so. Uh, Carrie, tell me a little bit about the structure of, of Eden. How, how are we structured around the states then? So we've got a lot of, a lot of nodes for, for Eden. Right. And so typically, well, Eden um, is actually structured both functionally and by discipline, um, sort of a matrix sort of um, environment for our committee structure. We Most of the week work of Eden is done through committees and through delegates who have a passion to work in the field of, of disaster uh, preparedness, recovery, response, and mitigation. So besides the executive committee and the officers, which are um, Abby is ex officio, and we have a secretary, a um, 
chair-elect chair and immediate past chair, which are our executive officers. We have functional committees along the lines of marketing, professional development, and what did I just forget, guys? Marketing, professional development. Exercise. Mm. Exercise. Yes. Okay. It's kind of an important one. Um, exercise. And then we also have um, disciplinary committees, um, ag and natural resources, community development, um, 4-H, and family and consumer sciences. And now when you so, talk about exercise, you're not talking about dump, jumping jacks. You're talking about response. Disaster exercises, exercises. Correct. Yes, and we have a very active um, exercise committee that works directly with EMI, which is the Emergency Management Institute um, out in Maryland. Mm -hmm. um, and they um, help create ag-related um, inbox exercises to, to have um, something that is informed by those that actually work in the field of ag um, to make sure that the exercises are appropriate um, to prepare for disasters. And actually, Cheryl could probably tell you more about that. I'm community development, so I'm not, I, we, we tend to let our experts talk about the things that they know about, and I don't know a whole lot about ag. So Carrie, your community development, Cheryl, you have a different take on some of the Eden exercises then, or Eden expertise. Since my background is agricultural safety and health, I follow more of the agricultural programming side of, of Eden. And so with that exercise committee, um, it's been a while back that they established their relationship with EMI. Um, and so they've been working on the exercises that Carrie mentioned, helping you know those local resources, those emergency managers, extension, others in the community um, do tabletop exercises, now they're doing them as virtual tabletop exercises. So the exercise committee along with EMI identifies a topic um, for the year. So they've done things related to, you know, biosecurity with fairs, um, agro-security issues. Their current one that they're starting on now um, addresses the food supply chain will be for the this upcoming year. Um, so, and along with that, the exercise committee also looks at how do we help prepare our own extension staff? Um, so, you know, doing that inbox exercise across all the alliance of the land grant extension services involved with Eden, um, reaching out to that local level of our county-based extension educators. Um, so trying to also build our own capacity throughout the extension service in, in having our staff ready is another part of the exercise opportunities. Yeah, so for our listeners that may not be familiar with, uh, with uh, an exercise simulation, a tabletop exercise, basically we're just saying, okay, this thing happened. How does our, our group respond to that? So the news flash comes out the notifications go out, and then who does what? What is the appropriate response? And you measure that and try and determine whether or not it happened in the timely, with the timeliness that you had hoped, uh, if the right people were involved, if we missed a step, and it really falls back on a, a plan that we have in place yep. for how we're gonna respond. Yep, there's you know lots of opportunities in agriculture um, for the connections um, 
with the, you know, the different, the dairy, the livestock plans um, across our, our, you know, agricultural industries, our universities, our federal partners, our agency partners. Um, so it is being sure to, to test those plans and give us an opportunity to communicate and talk to each other um, through testing of those plans in, in an exercise. Really a, a great opportunity for all of us to identify, you know, where's the gaps, where's the missing information, um, especially from our extension side of things, um, having some of those pieces of information there and ready to go um, and respond when something happens is really important. So lots of value in those exercises. So that kind of gives me an idea a little bit about how individual universities play into the Eden structure then, because you've got people that have different kinds of expertise here in Cary, having expertise in community development. Cheryl, your expertise more being on the agricultural side. And I'm guessing that we have, even within the agricultural spectrum, we've got people that are livestock experts or plant production or protection experts or or whatever kinds of things that we might be uh, might be dealing. I'm guessing that farm safety has a big uh, role in some of the natural disasters, the tornadoes or or whatever uh, that we might might experience, hurricanes in the south. Yep. So and that's part of the challenge too, just being ready to help address whatever natural disasters. Or for some of our states, you know, there's multiple disasters happening at the same time. And that was one of the concerns as the pandemic was started is, you know, we knew we we're gonna have floods, hurricanes, fires, and what do you adapt? And um, as Landa said, yes, there's also the family and consumer science part um, that has played in a, uh, plays a lot of important roles and brings information. And then our 4-H and, and youth development, um, looking at how, how to help build that resiliency um, in our kids and um, what what they can bring to the table in the disaster education avenues. So can you tell me a little bit about some of the successes, the accomplishments that, uh, that Eden maybe has had over the years? I know there's been uh, coordination with some of the local uh, and state agencies that do response. And I, I think Eden has produced a lot of educational material to go along with that, but I, I don't have a lot of experience beyond that. Um, oh, I was gonna say, I, I think each of us would almost highlight probably a different program or project or um, something that we think has probably been significantly impactful. Um, like I would say probably one of our cornerstone programs for a really long time was, was called the SCAP program. So strengthening community agri-security planning. Um, it was delivered um, in roughly 40 states by our team um, that actually went um, and trained other extension educators to then be able to deliver that opportunity in those states. So it was, um, we, it really created a network within a network um, that focused on that agro-security planning. And that um, was a three-day course, but truly really brought in local producers, um, your um, commodity groups. It brought in your state um, ag departments or agencies, depending upon what state you're in, what they're referred to, your state veterinarians, and worked on actually developing those plans in place 
Um, so that when they left the majority of an agri-security plan for their um, farm, ranch, um, small business or agribusiness, those were already developed to a probably 90% capacity, like finished completion. And then they would return back to the facilities and finish those out. So we had a, a lot of really great touch points through just that one program. Um, and when we're talking in our ag world, I think that was probably one of our most impactful. Um, and then that has went on to actually, we went entered into a partnership um, with NCBRT, which is the National Center for Biological Research and Training. Um, they helped us deliver that for several years, and now it is actually recognized um, the Department of Homeland Security's listing of available courses. So that means that local emergency managers can actually choose to have that training delivered um, and be able to use local training dollars for that, um, which um, is kind of a really huge step. So that's one that I would say is probably the most impactful um, from my point of view, but I know that each of the other two here with us are probably going to have something else to say or highlight. Well, and, and I think that we have lots of highlights and successes over the years in, in um, our different program areas. And of course, I'm, I'm assuming Abby is prompting me to, to talk a little bit about um, several years ago, we had a consortium of states get together and pilot a um, a project where Extension could help build uh, community organizations, active in disaster groups in our rural communities. Um, one of the things, and I'm sure you're familiar with, is in some of our smaller areas, we don't have the professional responders, the, the, the big uh, voluntary organizations that we always think about, which respond to disasters, such as Red Cross and Salvation Army those types of organizations have, have sort of settled in their larger areas and makes it hard to respond in some of our uh, smaller communities. And so through that project, we were able to develop an outline and guidance to help um, extension staff be able to um, help form those in rural communities. Um, that partnership was Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Nebraska, and Washington State all worked together on that. Um, I was part of that, and one of our smallest counties here in our area, um, which is Henderson County, Illinois, population about 6,700, still has an active uh, co-ed um, going. And, and that really is, is crucial in our rural areas um, when a disaster happens, um, the uh, the loss may not reach the, the federal disaster limit. So there are not a lot of federal funds coming through. So having those groups in place along with the long-term recovery committee can actually help a community rebound quicker after a disaster. Um, being able to have those plans in place, um, the availability to have an organization that can apply for and administer um, funds that might be available through not-for-profit sources. And so we've had a lot of success with that program and, and that's one of them that is currently up on the Eden website that community development and, and other professionals can download and, and help get one of those started in rural areas. 
So I think um, 15 years ago or so, Eden collaborated on the production of, a, of an agri-security uh, training uh, program. Uh, I think there's probably other ways that agri-security is, is fit in with Eden as well. Are, are we, is that in reference to the animal biosecurity course? I think it was, I think it was animal biosecurity, yeah. Uh, it, it, I don't work in animals directly, so um, I'm trying to remember the specifics of it. It's been a while. We also had a plant biosecurity course. There was also a plant biosecurity course? Yes, okay. yes. So, and they were so, developed to help our extension professionals, you know, take those trainings, um, get, you know, the background for both the animal and the plant in the area of biosecurity. So, so did those programs help draw even closer to the National Plant Diagnostic Network and to the National Animal uh, Laboratory uh, Network? Yeah, so um, because the, the three entities you just referenced are all part of, our funding all comes out of that same pool, which is the Food and Ag Defense Initiative of USDA. So we try to look for opportunities to partner and kind of do some overlap. And each of those courses, yes, um, was either written in partnership with or at least was under review by the entity that it more, more closely aligned to. So the, the um, plant biosecurity course was done on the partnership side of NPDN, the National Plant Diagnostic Network, um, and the animal biosecurity course was um, written and reviewed in partnership with the um, with NAL, the National Animal Health Laboratories Network, um, and actually um, either in late summer or sometime in early uh, or early fall, the animal biosecurity course has um, completely went under a new review and revamp and will be re-released um, with updates either in late summer, or early fall. So um, that's something to look forward to that we're gonna be pushing out again um, to highlight some of our resources. Well, I think that's probably a really challenging piece of trying to keep educational materials up to date as the threats change. Um, so I'm, I'm sure African swine fever was not really on our radar uh, 15 years ago. Um, and there's similar issues on, on the plant side. So that's always a challenge. And, and, and the, the animal network, the animal health network is really uh, directed on at focused uh, disease threats and, and the detection of those threats, whereas the plant network is is broader uh, in their in their approach to things. Um, but they both have that same challenge, making sure that training is is current and relevant for all of their all of their clientele. And I, I guess you're a, a kind of a connector there. Mm -hmm. uh, you talk about partnerships, Abby, and I, I'm hearing all of you talking about the partnerships you have with governmental, non-governmental. Uh, agencies with um, with local, uh, with state, with federal, um, and uh, you know the connections seem to be critical to your success. And I think that's true for any part of extension, but very specifically then to the disaster world of extension. Um, the the nice part of extension is we have always served as kind of that cornerstone 
grassroots connection piece between um, entities and agencies. And so Eden as a network looks to kind of further expand that. So yeah, yes, we, we work very hard to develop and maintain um, great relationships with many federal agencies, um, different divisions within those federal agencies, as well as um, through our states and locally, um, as well as then many of our nonprofit friends as well. So um, Carrie and I both kind of coming out of that community development realm, we do a lot of work with the National VOADS, the National Voluntary Organization Active in Disaster, which helps us then have um, connection points to nearly 90 um, nonprofit groups that do disaster response. Um, so we've been able to help develop trainings and educational programs um, that have been delivered through National VOAD to its membership. So we just are able to further broaden our reach, um, which I think is the entire idea kind of surrounding what our mission is, is to, to get that research-based information out into the hands of as many people as possible. Yeah, I, I, when I look at what I see happening in community development within Extension, I'm amazed at the reach that those programs have to um, nonprofits and community organizations that I've never really dealt with when I worked in, in, uh, in plant protection. It was just not the kind of connections that we, we found. And so it, it really seems like a bigger picture of extension than what many people might envision because what you see in extension is what touches you the most. And it might be your county office, it might be the state specialist that you talk to, but you, through Eden, you're really trying to connect all of those pieces and improve upon the coordination that they have uh, to lead to a more effective mission. You know, because it, it, disasters, we know that everything starts locally and ends locally. And so, you know, with extension being out there locally, um, you know, helping with those connections um, is, is an essential part of, of the programming effort, no matter what program area that you're working in, um, when that disaster is in your community. And so having this network, you know, and the resources to draw upon, um, hopefully helps you out in the, in those times of need. Resources, coordination, and practice. You go into a disaster and people kind of forget. And so if you have the opportunity to drill and remind, uh, that just improves the efficiency of the response. And so that's an admirable, uh, an admirable outcome from Eden. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious. So this really, this really speaks to the breadth of extension and the effort that Eden has to try and pull all those parts together. Uh, that is that's such an, uh, a daunting task to, to try and, and, and accomplish that. Um, so we've talked about the, the economic development piece and how that plays in also with, with home and family programs, potentially with, with youth development programs, uh, with, with uh, animal and plant health. Um, 
Do you have any any uh, engagement with some of the other programs that are considered tactical programs from from USDA, the the national uh, or the excuse me the state IPM programs, the regional IPM centers, um, some of the uh, the uh, animal health and and plant health programs that work toward registration of 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 um, um, therapeutics for uh, for treatment of some of these these issues. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious if, if you interact with those groups as well. Well, I think one of the benefits to having worked with your group um, over the last couple of years is where we've really started um, to begin to lay the foundation for some of those relationships that we haven't had in the past. Um, some of our member institutions and our delegates have better relationships than others when it um, in those entities when you come out when you start looking at the state and regional levels um, as a national entity we have not um, necessarily um, developed those partnerships and collaborations to the extent that we would like to um, it's one of those it's on our wish list and, and we're working to really build um, around where, where we've started. Uh, I think 2020 kind of hit us all a little hard in terms of trying to figure out how to adapt to that new norm of where we, we were hoping to get to do some more um, in-person interactions and um, really get to know some of the individuals that we have met and those that are representing their agencies as well um, and organizations. Um, but so we, we have some relationships, but definitely in terms of um, those that are representing the tactical sciences initiative is um, it, they're entities that we see that we need to have really great relationships with moving forward. Well, it's hard to think about that when you're already stretching your resources as, as far as you are. Um, and, and it seems to me that that Eden activities are supported in to a great extent by resources in the States um, the, the federal component of your, of your funding operation is not large, um, but, but certainly it builds on the, the networks that we already have. It, uh, it strengthens what we do within our regions across extension, um, as well as giving an opportunity to, to um, connect more nationally. So um, I look forward to being able to help facilitate some of those uh, those connections to other programs as, as we move forward here. And as, um, you, and, I was saying, as you mentioned, um, so of the three fatty entities, Eden is um, probably smallest in nature in terms of the fact that we only have one and a half FTE associated to our program. Um, so when we talk about our network, it truly is um, a labor of love by most everyone that's part of it. Um, there, there's no, um, accolades or, you know, high recognition and doesn't come with any sort of salary bonuses. These are the 400 delegates that we have truly do it because, um, and are part of our network because they have a passion for disaster programming, um, and making those, that kind of impact in their local communities. So it's kind of one of those, all other duties is assigned groups. Um, where you voluntarily participate. And so um, the little bit of funding that we are able to offer here and there to develop programmings, we try, 
Um, that's why many of our partnerships and those collaborations are so important to us is to be able to get the biggest impact for the dollars that we have and for the time that we have um, attributed to um, any of our programming and development and just the overall mission. So um, yeah, we often refer to ourselves as being that small but mighty. So, <laughs> Well, you know, so when you're talking about uh one and a half uh, uh, FTEs or full-time equivalents, you're talking about 60 hours a week that is committed to this whole thing for national coordination. And, and I think it only works because the states are committed to serving the people in their states. And, you know, that, that small, <clears throat> that small contribution from the federal piece is really linking it together and trying to share resources and, and getting uh uh, recognizing opportunities and building on those potential partnerships. So um, it's the states that make it happen. And it's the, uh, it's maybe the program that's the glue. Uh, let's, let's, let's hope, let's look at it most positively like that maybe. Yes. So I'm, I'm curious, we talk about that there's not a big, uh, not a big contribution, um, a federal contribution in funding. So you know, where would you like to make a difference? Where, where are there places to do some things that maybe you haven't been able to, uh, to fully take advantage of um, in, your current, uh, in your current configuration? I mean, I think we're always looking for opportunities to collaborate and expand reaches um, uh, of disaster education. One of the things that we're lucky enough um, uh, based on some connections with FEMA Region 5, which Abby and Cheryl and I all uh, sit in, we're, we're starting to get a more formal relationship with, with FEMA. We were asked by the um, Community Preparedness Division out of Washington, D.C., is going to be um, uh, liaisoning with Eden. Um, um, starting this, this month on a quarterly basis on our executive committees, because based on some of our um, conversations, they recognize, um, you know, extension is professional um, educators. FEMA wants to see that the education for community and disaster preparedness gets out across the, the nation. So we're trying to formalize um, those relationships a little bit more on the national level. Um, we've had great reception and, and a, lot, a lot of excitement both at, at the national level and um, in region five in finding ways that FEMA can partner with extension. So we're leveraging to you know, the USDA portion with, with FEMA to see if we can develop and, and um, uh, implement more education throughout the, the nation through that partnership. Um, FEMA has been stressed this year, shall we say, um, in, in some of their um, uh, roles and the idea that um, by working with Eden, they have um, over 400 educators um, that might be able to assist in, in uh, doing disaster education is crucial. We're also looking at ways to um, expand the relationship with, with EMI, we've done the inbox and the ag side. We're also looking at those rural community sides as well um, to hopefully to make the exercises go beyond just 
one one part of the community, um, the agriculture community, and how that impacts everything in, in rural communities. As you know, um, uh, our small towns are, are um, crucial in terms of the food chain, the supply, the, you know, all of those kinds of things. So, so we're looking at ways to to build those partnerships with other federal agencies and, and even some international agencies. Um, uh, Cheryl and another one of our um, colleagues uh, did some network. I'll let uh, Cheryl tell you a little bit about that. So we had the opportunity to connect to the Global Forum for Rural Advisory Services or GFRASH, so more of that worldwide scope um, and unfortunately, that's one of the things that got um, impacted by 2020. We had just really been making the connections in, in 2018, 2019. So an area to look at because we know that we're all globally connected and those rural advisory services in other countries are similar to our extension services um, and looking for work and, and connections in this disaster education. So that is, you know, one of the other things. And I think why Eden's really good about partnerships um, and leveraging resources. You know, if we're gonna be able to expand or to develop our own resources, um, you know, it, it is gonna take some additional investment because as, as Abby noted, you know, we're already drawing upon those state resources and extensions um, systems. And we, a lot of people do the things for their own interest and and love of their communities. Um, but there are some you know, projects out there that as resources that could benefit not only us here or the connected networks um, that we need, you know, we have a big wish list out there of resources we'd like you know, to have in our toolkits, so to speak. Um, but yet at the same time, you know, we know that it's gonna take some additional investment in order to be able to, to get to that, those levels of resources. And so just, we greatly appreciate partnerships, don't get me wrong, um, but you know, you can only come so many times. Um, every partnership brings an additional demand. <laughs> it does, and it, yeah. you know, it stretches, and we're, I think within the Tactical Sciences Networks, we're all really good at, at working with those partnerships and, and finding them, but it does, still take effort. Well, I think that one of the great opportunities is often we can find multiple outlets for some of the same information by making yeah. sure that we have the connections in place that we we ought to have. So it uh, does. And, and, and I feel like that's one of the areas where we've really thrived um, and we can kind of shine. Um, as we've all pointed out, the, the partnership aspect um, one piece that that we do every month is we do offer a professional development opportunity um, virtually to all of our Eden delegates, which is open to all of extension. We've had two within the last year that have um, had reach far expanding what we normally see. So last year, um, it was actually about um, maybe 11 months ago, <laughs> we're quickly coming up on um, the date when um, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC reached out to us to say, um, we would like to deliver a webinar, an FAQ opportunity 
um, to extension to say, hey, here's some things that we could use extension to help us with our messaging related to the coronavirus. Um, it was very early on. Um, I think we had over 500 that registered for that opportunity and um, over 300 participated live and the others were able to then connect um, and watch it um, in archived versions. Um, and that was, we've had a partnership with CDC for many, many years. Uh, we had actually already developed a um, pandemic and epidemics curriculum many years ago that we had kind of dusted off um, about six months before coronavirus really had um, hit news anywhere. So we happened to have timing was on our side for that one. Um, but so it had kind of reinvigorated that partnership. And that was one of these really great opportunities. And then here just in the last month, we actually offered another opportunity that was um, in association with the um, International Association of Fairs and Expos. And it was developing disaster plans for county fairs, local events, um, with special focus on things that are occurring on fairgrounds. And again, we had over 300 extension educators participate in that. Um, it was extension educators, local fair boards, um, and even many state fair board members um, had participated on that to start having that discussion of how do we develop a plan? What needs to be in it? Um, how would one go about exercising those things? So again, it's where we, we are just that joint mechanism of showing how to take national resources and get those boiled down and delivered to your local level. So we had where that was an international, um, the CEO of an international organization was actually speaking to local fair board members from very small counties across the US. So it's not always an opportunity that everyone has. Um, and I think one of the things that we keep looking at is how can we take even some of the things that we're doing nationally and bring those to more of a regional look. So um, as the three of us that are on this, today we also we happen to come from the same FEMA region so for us we, we've always been able to work really well together even long before we served um, on the executive committee together because of just logistically um, it was easy kind of you know drive to Chicago and all of us be at a central meeting point um, but we're trying to encourage those interactions across the country so start looking um, for regional dynamics and ways to do multi-state programming um, with those that have a shared common interest. So we're seeing a lot of work now coming out of the Pacific Northwest where they are doing um, multi-state efforts related to wildfires. Um, we see the Southern groups come together following the oil spill of, uh, was that 2010, 2009, 2010, um, along the Gulf Shore we put together a working group down there that was focusing on what did that response and recovery look like along those coastlines. So bringing those multi-state um, conversations, but still have that kind of local flair um, to them. That's one of those things that I think we really keep trying to expand. Um, and over the last year, and we even have, um, I think, a couple other projects here and um, lined up to work with, we, we're trying to increase the work that we do with the rural regional development centers. Um, so again, taking that regional aspect, working through the institutions in particular regions. Um, but again, trying to 
um, just have collaborations and opportunities um, to increase our impact, but even maybe have a, have a more localized feel of where that impact is. Well, I, I think you've pointed out a couple of really interesting things there. You know, you look at a fair, how many opportunities are there for bad things to happen there? Um, in my career, I can think of tornadoes that have come through fairgrounds. I can think of food safety outbreaks. I can think of animal health outbreaks that have occurred. And every state and every county has each of those potential threats. And so um, having, having, having information to be able to respond to like that is, is really important. And even when you talk about the wildfires in the West, um, I can't help but think about the wildfires that have occurred in the Midwest across grasslands and, and uh, as many as three and four states that have, have been in, involved, encompassed in just a single wildfire. So these are all issues that, that may be measured as disasters on different scales, but the impact is still large and uh, uh, we need to be able to respond uh, quickly and appropriately, and that, that provides some of the material. So it's good to know that there's somebody out there that's pulling this together so that, uh, and helping you practice it so that we can make sure we do it and we do it right and we do it quickly. So um, are there other things that uh, our listeners should, uh, should know about uh, Eden, the Extension Disaster Education Network? If not, I just want to really say thank you to, uh, to the three of you that joined us today, uh, Cheryl Scholas from the University of Wisconsin, uh, Carrie McKillop from the University of Illinois, and Abby Lopop from Purdue University, all members of the executive team with EDEN, the Extension Disaster Education Network. Um, this has been a Tactical Sciences Coordination Podcast, and I want to thank you all for listening and thank our guests for being here. Thank you all.